Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, everybody. So happy to have you with us here today. So happy to have you a part of this show. JC is not here with us today. It's going to be just me, everybody. Just me doing the show all solo. (laughs) Happy to have everybody in the room with you. I hope you like my new hat. Says, I don't know, I don't think you probably read it. Uh, It says, uh, pretty in pink, deadly in camo. (laughs) I thought that was kind of cute, right? Uh, So happy to be a part of the show today. This pre-inaugural show. Uh, Lots and lots and stuff going on. And we have some fun things going on today. I wanted to talk to you. uh, Today's show, by the way, we are going to be talking about the cancel culture wiping out Donald Trump. We are going to be, I I mean, out of history. We are going to be talking about We're going to be talking about um, the inauguration. This is our pre-inauguration show. And we're going to be talking about the power of the president. Uh, No, Robert, I didn't see Tucker Carlson's monologue last night. I actually um, was traveling last night. So hello to everybody. Let's see who we have in the chat room today. Let's see. We have Lake City, Florida, Houston, Texas, Northern California. Um, Let's see. Hartford, Connecticut, Bend, Oregon, Wenatchee, Washington. Oh, my goodness. Coast to coast, north to south, everybody here. Pittsburgh. Uh, Let's see. New York, District 21. We just got back from California, and man, did we have a great meeting in California. I don't know if you guys are students at libertyfirstuniversity.com, but in California, God dropped a new class into my head, and I will be uploading it. Uh, filming it. I got to film it here in studio and uploading it to uh, libertyfirstuniversity.com uh, as soon as possible. It's really, really, really an amazing class. You know how I've been telling you that people always ask me, what point are we in American history? Right? Because I tell you, history always repeats. It's not just me telling you that. It's actually a fact, and you guys know because we study history together that history always repeats. And I wanted to do a presentation that answers the question, where are we, in, as history repeats, in the history of our American founders? People is that, are we at 1772? Are we at 1776? Where are we? And then you always have those people that are always like, Chrisanne, our founders would be shooting by now. And I wanted to come up with a class that explains why that is not true. Absolutely not true. No, our founders would not be shooting by now. No, our we are not at 1776. And in California, God downloaded into my head and the history, I mean, I, I have all this stuff here, but it was just amazing how it all chronologically went into place. And I was able to show the, the pathway to liberty. That's the name of the class, by the way, pathway to liberty that brought us from, and are you catching this now, 1660 to 1776. If you want to talk about the the speaking out about against the government's oppression, the violations of the people's rights, then you can sort of fast forward to 1722, uh, seven, uh, right? 
brain. 1722. What took us from 1722 to 1776? Uh, and you'll notice there are 50 years there, 50 years of work that was in place before we even declared independence. And that class, if you if you got a sneak peek and you were able to watch it online because it was live broadcast uh, when I was teaching it Friday night, but we are going to to do it right here in studio and put it up at libertyfirstuniversity.com and it's going to be absolutely amazing. I did watch Donald Trump's farewell address. I do have to say I'm a little bit impartial to the more of the Washingtonian style farewell address where the president talks about the the pathway forward and the way to create to ensure liberty uh, more than a pat myself on the back. This is all the great things that we've done kind of speech. But um, I did think it was a very, very good speech. I liked that it was infused with those inspirations. I liked that it was infused with those particular uh, moments of reflecting on the human nature and American spirit and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I do like that. And and yes, Richard, given the political climate, I understand what Donald Trump is doing. But uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I will forever regard George Washington's farewell address as the best farewell address ever delivered. And so uh, it was a pre-recorded speech, by the way. It was not live. It was pre-recorded. I thought he delivered it very well. I think that he did not ad lib much at all. And it seemed a little bit outside out of out of his uh, natural kind of speak but I thought that it was a very, very good speech. So let's get into this talk about the um, how the cancel culture eliminating Donald Trump from history. You know, the cancel culture's tearing down historical monuments. They're tearing down... Uh, the history, rewriting the history in our history books. They are changing the names of buildings and they're changing the names of, of um, the football teams and sports teams. And I, I just have to tell you guys, it's been a really long day, <laughs> a little bit. I'm still a little bit jet lagged. We flew to to California on Thursday and then flew back yesterday and then didn't come really come home, left and did a, a whole another six, seven, eight hour drive. And now we're finally home. And we literally pulled into the driveway. Chris Ann ran in the house, got everything set up. And here I am. This is part of the why part of the reason why JC is not here, because. We're just still getting settled in. Nate Bama, thank you so much for your super chat today. Can I tell you how happy that makes me feel? <laughs> it makes me feel that you love happy that you love me, even though I'm just now getting my tongue untied. <laughs> so the cancel culture, rewriting history, pulling down statues, changing the names of schools and changing the names of football teams and sports teams and and really trying to manipulate and brainwash who we are who we were so that they can control and dictate the narrative about who we're going to be and so i'm going to share with you a video uh the one that sort of brought me brought this to my attention, not this particular video, mind you, but one of it. And I want you to see the video. 
let's go ahead and make it bigger. There you go. And we will talk about this not only from a current political perspective, but also from a an historical perspective of this kind of cancel culture. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left. Thanks. Yeah, that one. The one where Kevin McAllister bumps into Donald Trump in the Plaza Hotel lobby. Well, on Wednesday, Macaulay Culkin responded to a request to remove the president from the 1992 flick. You guys give up? There you have it. The request to remove Donald Trump from the 1992 movie Home Alone. If you'll just simply excuse me for a minute, I just I, I simply have to believe and bless his heart. Macaulay Culkin is just simply trying to create for himself a brand new relevance. Uh, I, let me show you this part of the video. It's just, I, I feel sad for the guy who, who has this childhood fame and, and just sort of did nothing else from it. I mean, he, you have this fan here right here, who has, who started a sort of Twitter petition to digitally replace Trump in Home Alone 2 with a 40-year-old Macaulay Culkin. In Home Alone 2 with 40-year-old Macaulay Culkin. Mac replied simply, quote, sold. Seriously, I, I just, I want to say to this guy, please, um, stop before you keep embarrassing yourself. Stop before you continue to tarnish whatever legacy you might have had. And again, trying to remain relevant. Now, this is not a sort of defense of Trump, mind you. This is more of a comment on, hey, let's let's leave the things of the past alone. Let's leave things as they are. Can you imagine the trend, especially with today's technology and the deep fake ability that we have to trade anybody out? You know, I teach at the River University School of Government here in Tampa and our second year School of Government students. I'm teaching them a current events class this quarter where we talk about the history of propaganda and yesterday or Yes, yesterday we talked about deep fake. And it's amazing the technology. You can't even tell anymore. You could not tell if I was here sitting speaking to you on this video or if someone had taken a video that I had done on YouTube and then just simply mapped my voice mapped my facial expressions. They can do deep fake now with one picture and a voice mapping out of, I think I, it was like two or three sentences. You have two, if you have two specific sentences, you can make someone say anything you want them to say. If you don't have those specific sentences with those specific vowel consonant combinations and intonations, then you have to have a certain number of compilations of words and sentences in order to deep fake. But it doesn't take much anymore. And it's practically indetectable. Now, the good undetectable, the, the great thing is now that as deep fake becomes more advanced, the need to determine whether something is deep faked or not is increasing. So while they're advancing the deep to fake technology, they're actually advancing the technology to identify deep fake. But here's the kicker. I mean, seriously, is the government going to let you have the technology that it takes to recognize deep fake? Seriously, I don't, I, you know, when you think about the propaganda, when you think about the desire to remove people from history, 
And in this case, removing Donald Trump from history, just completely wiping the man out of a movie as if he just simply was never even standing there. I, I, that's the technology that we have. Why would a government give us the ability to determine whether that technology was happening in front of our eyes or not? Thank you, Flying Rich, for your super chat out there. See you in Gainesville, Texas. Hey, guys, thank you, uh, Richard. Let's Rich, let's go ahead and and talk about Gainesville, Texas, since you have just given me the opportunity to talk about that. <laughs> Rich giving us a segue into a little commercial tab. Let's talk about that. Rich, Flying Rich, is talking about our In Defense of Liberty training, March 12th through 4th, 2021, in Gainesville, Texas. This is constitution training, hand-to-hand -hand self-defense, handgun accuracy and precision, real-world shooter defense with the best, the best handgun, hand-to-hand -hand self-defense trainer in the world, Larry Stevenson, also known as the Bearded Black Cowboy. Rich can give a shout out for the training right there in the chat room because he can tell you he's been Gosh, Rich, what's it, two years in a row now? Would have been three if the hurricane hadn't come through. And so just want to say thank you for your super chat. Also want to say thank you to Nate Bama, who chimed in a second time for a super chat. Going to have to try to scroll up and find that one. Oh, there it is. I went right past it. Nate Bama says they don't want to leave the past alone. They want to bring it back and turn America into Nazi Germany and communist Russia. And they're doing a good job of it. Yeah, Nate. See, that's part of what we're going to be talking about today. This cancel culture. Val has been to our training in Gainesville, uh, in, in uh, Gainesville, Texas, and she knows how awesome Larry is. Seriously, guys, go to chrisanhall.com and sign up for that training. I want to show you some video uh, from one of our classes in uh, or from that class at the River School of Government. This is one of the videos that I used as a training tool. Oops, sorry, I got to remember to do the little share audio thing for you so you guys can have the sound that goes with it. This is a, a video that teaches on the difference between misinformation and disinformation. There is a difference, you know. Disinformation it are, it is bad information given to you with an intent to deceive. Misinformation is information given to you without intent to deceive. It's still bad information, but somebody just simply does not know any better. So let's watch this. Now think about this now. The counterculture, right? So the counterculture today, trying to wipe out the statues, trying to wipe out Donald Trump, trying to wipe out the names and history, the events and the history itself. Who does the counterculture represent or the, the cancel culture represent in history. Our cancel culture today represented in history is this. For instance, an entire cottage industry for manipulation of the visual record, specifically photographs developed under the Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. At the time, it was quite difficult to manipulate photographs, so you needed skilled artisans in order to be able to do it. And one of the things that they did was literally rewrite the historical record when Stalin's great purges of the 1930s meant that his political enemies or anyone who deemed a threat. There you go. Cancel culture. Stalin. When you think of cancel culture, you have to think of the Stalinists. You have to think of the, of the communists. You have to think of those who are trying to, to steal history, to make themselves look better, to deny, are you catching me? To deny 
their own tyrannical history, their own tyrannical acts. Let me show you something just so you think that it's not just simply a counter uh, cancel culture in propaganda itself is not just for those who are communists, but uh the manipulation of movies, the manipulation of videos is something that has been in our history for quite some time. And in this particular video, I don't know if you've actually seen any of this, but this is a video back from World War II it is an American propaganda video, and I'm going to share it with you so that you can see uh, some propaganda that was used in the Western world during the uh, during the um, World War II. So let's go ahead and share this. This is actually a video of Hitler, and the video has been manipulated. And we'll watch the manipulated video. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to turn the sound on. There we go. Start it up. On June 21st, 1940, Herr Hitler danced to his own victory march, later to go down to death and defeat. You see, that video was manipulated to make it look like Hitler was dancing over the defeat of France. And it was disseminated through the Western world to show everyone uh, and, and ramp up this, this hatred for Germans in general. And so we just have to be clear now because again it's not just simply about the ca cancel culture of donald trump it's not just simply about uh donald trump at all we are entering into a an era where the cancel culture themselves will have political power which means we have to be even more vigilant than ever we are the ones that have to be more vigilant than ever so that we are the ones who will act, will uh, be aware of what is real and what is not real. So you have, I don't know if you guys saw this, but you have Christy Swanson, who is uh, an actress, and she was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And she was in Pretty in Pink. And she tweets out, if cancel culture is really going to have Donald Trump removed from the John Hughes movie Home Alone, then in my support of my president, I'd like to have myself officially removed from the John Hughes films, Pretty in Pink and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Now, you have to know that she was absolutely fried over that. Absolutely fried over that. Because she stood in defense of, well, you would say the President of the United States, but in defense of history. That's what I'm going to say. Now, she was saying in defense of my president, meaning that was hers, my president. Uh, but I am trying to tell you that she was standing in defense of history. And that's what we need to be here. We need to be in defense of history. Don't let the cancel culture take your history. Because remember, Patrick Henry said, I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that's the lamp of experience. I know no way to judge the future, but by the past. And we can't know the future unless we are actually learning history. And so I wanted to share something with you 
that I put up on Facebook today because I <laughs> I'm just going to start off the Biden administration. Now, I know there are people who who believe that this is not the Biden administration, that there's still a rabbit that Donald Trump is going to pull out of his hat. We will wait tomorrow and see. Um, <laughs> and we we have to remember to be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. So whatever that means to you individually, I'll leave you to that. But I just want to sort of prepare everyone for what's going to come at you because it's already coming at me uh, through this whole Biden administration. And so what I did on Facebook, I'll go ahead and put that up there for you guys. This is my Facebook page. There you go. I made this post today on my Facebook page. Texas readies for lawsuits against Joe Biden's incoming administration. And in my post, you probably can't read it there. So go ahead and go to the Facebook page. If you're still on Facebook, I am still on Facebook. You can keep your darts and arrows away from me. I'm going to stay on Facebook and reach as many people as I possibly can until they kick me off. I don't know how long that's going to be, but hello, that's where we are. And I put in this post, as the Biden administration imposes unconstitutional overreaching authority, states will need to understand that they don't need to sue the federal government for powers that already belong to them. Remember, the Tenth Amendment says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Reserved means ownership, guys. States legally own their powers. Cooperatively with the people. Any power that is not specifically delegated to the federal government, and I mean specifically enumerated, is owned by the states cooperatively with the people. Reserved means ownership. And it's absurd to think you need to sue the federal government in federal court in front of a federal judge for something that already belongs to you. Seriously, anybody... I'm looking at you guys in the chat room. Anybody out there see something wrong with the states going to the federal government in federal courts in front of federal judges to challenge the the amount or the extent or the reach of federal power? Really? I'm just. Just curious, guys, anybody see a really big problem with that? Well, I hope so, because what that is, is the states admitting that, guess what? Uh, the federal government is the ultimate authority for his own, their own power. Hey, guys, don't play with the trolls. They're just here to just distract you. They're distracting you from what there is to learn. They're distracting you from what is real in society. The trolls that pop in every now and again are not here to learn. They're here to distract you. They are part of the cancel culture, and they will be ever-present to cancel out truth the best that they can. So the best thing that you can do is don't feel the, feed the trolls. Just ignore them. Now, while I'm by myself, I can't block the trolls. So you're going to have to just ignore the trolls, guys. And that will play true to no matter what channel you're on. That'll play true no matter where you are. Don't play with the trolls. Daniel, I can't block him right now. You're just going to have to ignore him. Terry, thank you so much for the super chat, helping us move into the second half of our hour with some love for truth. 
love for uh, what is right, love for all things good and all things American. <laughs> Flying Rich says, make me a moderator. I'll help with the trolls. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's very important that we learn. I, I don't mind the trolls being here because guess what? He is having to listen and maybe something, something will creep in, right? Something will creep in. He'll fall asleep with the nugget of something he doesn't even know he has. He'll dream about it and will annoy him and then he'll have to really find truth. I don't mind trolls, but I think it's good practice for us not to pay attention to them. Dragon's Talon. <laughs> You guys are so awesome out there. I love you so much. Chris, uh, a, a grand super chat from Dragon's Talon for Chris Ann's Troll Relief Fund. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you, Dragon's Talon. So remember, when the Harris administration, because you know it's not going to be Biden, when the Harris administration takes over, because Donald Trump said in his speech today, I am leaving the White House. OK, I am leaving the White House. Yeah, Liberty Cause. It probably is a butt because he doesn't say anything. Although those kind of trolls really don't have anything to say at all. You know, so they're a bot in their head because um, they, they're too stupid to think on their own. Sorry, I don't mean stupid, ignorant. I don't know. In this case, maybe Joe Biden in our in our chat room is too stupid to think for himself, which is interesting because maybe I should come on. Hey, guys, give me a thumbs up in the chat room if you would like for me to teach uh, the uh, misinformation, disinformation, propaganda portion of my college course in here one day. OK, yeah. So uh, we'll, give me a thumbs up if you want that lesson and I'll teach that to you maybe next week sometime. We'll see. But here we go, guys. Um, as the Harris administration starts taking over the unconstitutional authority of the executive branch. Wow, look at that. All those thumbs up. Okay, looks like we're going to do the misinformation, disinformation, propaganda class. We will do that. All right. So as the Harris administration takes over the executive, uh, the unconstitutional executive branch, we are going to have to realize now more than ever that our states are sovereign. Because the legal solution to the Harris administration running the unconstitutional agencies of the federal government, of the executive branch in the federal government, is, as the Supreme Court said, the simple, and this is a quote of John Roberts, the simple expedient of not yielding to federal authority. That's, those are not my words. Those are John Roberts' words, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, in a majority opinion. He said, it is up to the, he says, we look to the states in a typical circumstance to, quote, engage in the simple expedient of not yielding. The states simply need to refuse the authority of the federal government in matters not specifically delegated, and when they violate properly legislated laws, okay? So once again, if you want to know more about this understanding that the states not only have the right, they have the duty to, as the, as the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court said, to not yield to federal uh, authority, when it violates the Constitution, when it violates properly legislated laws, uh, then you need to go to libertyfirstuniversity.com and learn the power of the states and how all of that works. Free Range Nomad, thank you for your super chat. I love you guys. You guys are being so good to me today. What did I do to deserve this? We got another super chat here. No trash in heaven. Truth is powerful. We pray for our enemies to surrender to the Lord of truth. Amen. Remember, uh, those who lie 
are the children of the father of lies. So that's why you don't really have to pay attention. Hey there, Zone Fighter One. Um, not to pick on you, my friend, but this is the no excuse zone. So we don't engage in naysaying here. There is no excuse to complain about your state. The only thing you should be doing is working to change your state and local government to make sure that these things don't happen again. You, <laughs> sorry, my, I'll have to put that up there because Mike made me laugh in the middle of my sentence. You have to get educated and then you have to educate others and then you have to organize and activate because we have the power and the power is ours. And, uh, Hey, you know, Matt, Matt Dyke, the question is why aren't any of our elected representatives in the U S house and Senate like KAH? I'll tell you why, because we haven't been in the habit of properly vetting, properly vetting. No, Marcella, we're not going to be suing our States to do their jobs. We're going to get active at the local level. We're going to get active at the local level. We're going to get educated, activated, and we're going to change the way our local ordinances work. We're going to change who's in our county. They're going to make, we're going to make them listen. We're going to change laws at the state level. That's what we're going to do. Hey guys, somebody in the chat room, uh, help Lady Princey uh, know how to uh, make an even number on the super chat. I don't even know how that does that, but I know some of you guys do that. You guys can, can dictate your super chats. You know how that works. Nate Bama in there. Hey guys, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell. So you will be able to get these shows when they come on. You'll be noticed sort of, <laughs> and then you'll never miss another teach show while you're hitting the like button go ahead and hit that share too because that helps us a lot if you share then you help us override the ai the artificial intelligence algorithms that try to censor us oh look at this season stalk i love your mommy season season Teaching my daughters the Constitution from our KAH books bought by their Oath Keeper grandma. <laughs> I love that grandma. <laughs> that grandma is my one of my besties. <laughs> so tell her I said hello. I love her. So anyway, I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about the authority of the executive branch. We are going to do a little teach show section for you so we can understand and start off on the right foot and understand why the Harris administration is going to be engaging in unconstitutional authority. Now, I'm going to remind you of my Facebook post because I think I got distracted by the troll squirrels and didn't finish my sentence. But when I put this up there, I immediately got this people, these people on my Facebook page saying, oh, great. Where were you when Donald Trump was president? Where were you? All you do is now you're going to do is is criticize Biden. Well, hello, people be expecting that. And I want you guys to realize and you guys know this, but when you see people like that, just ignore them. Now, this sometimes I respond to them just because I want to see if, you know, they'll admit that they're wrong. But most of the time, I just pay no attention to them because, you know, those of you who are here all the time, that I criticized Trump when he was being unconstitutional. I will criticize Harris and Biden when they are unconstitutional. I just suspect that I'll have more opportunity with Harris than I will with Biden. And by the way, if you are, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of, of, of questions about this um, from people. And I want to show you this little video. So let's see. Uh, I have a, 
a video. Uh, let's see. I'll put this up here. I'm trying to find it. There we go. All right. I'm going to I'm going to put this video up there so you can see it. And then you can uh, I can point it to you. You guys can get it. It's a really good little education for your kids. And it's actually an eight, almost a nine minute video. So I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I want you to see it. And just so you can find it. And here we go. I'll go. I'll play just a few seconds of it just so you can see it. Now, on YouTube, this video is called Uncle Sam and the Dromedary Parable of Constitutional Principles. This is in response to the many, many questions I get about the vice president and her status to be president uh, or even vice president of the United States. And so remember, it's called Uncle Sam. You can see it here at the bottom. Uncle Sam and the Dromedary Parable of Constitutional Principles. So I'll play just a little bit of it, just so you can see it. Characters. Meet Sam. Uncle Sam owns a dromedary farm. A very, very successful dromedary farm. One day, a dromedary came up to Uncle Sam and said to Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam, I'd like to be your lead dromedary. Uncle Sam says, well, it's very nice to meet you, Miss Dromedary, but there are specific rules about who can be my lead dromedary. So Sam pulls out his rule book and explains to Madam Dromedary the rules. No camel except a natural born camel or a camel of the Sam's land at the time of the adoption of this constitution shall be eligible to be lead camel. Neither shall any camel be eligible to be lead who shall not have attained the age of 35 years and been 14 years a resident within Sam's land. So Sam is explaining to this dromedary the rules on what it takes to be the lead camel. And Sam says, are you over the age of 35? And Miss Dromedary says, yes, I am. Have you been living in uh, Sam's land, have you been part of our flock for more than 14 years? Because that's part of the year, the, the rules to be a drama, a lead dromedary in Sam's land. She says, well, by yes, Sam, I actually have been here living in your flock now for over 14 years. He says, okay, well, the big deal here is, do you meet the rule of being a natural born camel in in Sam's land. Now, Miss Dromedary says, I may have a little problem with that one. You so there you have it, a segment of Uncle Sam. It's called Uncle Sam and the Dromedary Parable, Dromedary, a parable of constitutional principles. So if you want to teach this part of the article two of the constitution uh what are the qualifications for the president of the united states then this is what is is a fun way to teach about the parables uh <laughs> i'd love to do more parables like this it was a lot of fun it was a lot of work putting all those little cartoons together and making sure everything looked the way it was supposed to. But it was a lot of fun. So I want to share with you now for the rest of our time, a little teach show on the Constitution of the United States and the qualifications of the president of the United States. We're going to go ahead and just simply pull up this window. You have to ignore all the other stuff at the top, just so I can move from, from page to page a little bit easier. But Article 2 of the Constitution is where we find um, where we find information about the qualifications and the duties of the President of the United States. And again, if you want to answer um, 
Terry's Terry, if you want an answer to the question, you have to go watch the Uncle Sam and the Dromedary parable. Jennifer, if oops, wrong, sorry. If you want to be uh, informed about this qualification, then you need to watch the Uncle Sam and the Dromedary parable. And it'll explain to you why it's important. That's why I put this parable together. Something fun for you to watch. Something fun for you to share. And just to remember, we have a whole class at libertyfirstuniversity.com on the power of the president, not just simply reading the Constitution, but showing you what the founders said themselves while they were creating the office of the president so that we could be better informed about why they did what they did because purpose actually matters. So starting with article two, section one, clause eight of the constitution, before he enter on the executive of his, on the execution of his office, the president shall take the following oath or affirmation. Now, somebody might say, why are we even bothering with the oath, Chrisanne? Because the oath matters. It matters because you're being told a lot of stuff that simply is not true. So when you read the oath, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of the president of the United States, and I will, to the best of my ability, uh, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. What's important, and I, what I like people to see is that the most important thing is what is there. The second most important thing is what is not there. There is no oath of office for the president of the United States to keep America safe. There is no oath of office for the president of the United States to keep America prosperous, to have anything to do with jobs or taxes or, or to keep people safe or to uh, encourage corporations or whatever. His oath, by the way, is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, not the Congress, not the Supreme Court. So we have to understand that this is the oath of office, and that's why that's really important. Daniel, thank you for your grant. Super chat. I did put it up there on the screen, but we were taught we were listening to the dromedary. So I just wanted to personally thank you just before I forgot. All right. So Article two, Section one, Clause eight. This is the oath of office. Article two, Section two, Clause one begins the power of the president. And this is something that we have not followed for many, many years many years. Did y'all notice that our troll ran away because you stopped playing with him? Just just a little side note. The president shall be commander in chief of the army and navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. The president of the United States is not the commander in chief all the time. The president of the United States is only the commander in chief when the forces are called into service. They are called into service through a declaration of war. Are you catching that? On a declaration of war. When was the last time we had a declaration of war? We had a declaration of war during World War II. That's our last declaration of war. That means we have not had an actual constitutional establishment of a president as commander in chief since World War II. Calling any president commander in chief since World War II is an inappropriate, unconstitutional application of that title. Thank you, Nate Bama, for your $5 super chat. And my friend, you need my class on the pathway to liberty. All right. So commander in chief, when called into actual service, he may require in writing the, of the principal officer of each of the executive departments. Why? Because he is the CEO of the, um, of the executive branch. 
upon any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices, and he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. So the president's this is this is one of president of one of a president's only unilateral powers to grant reprieves and pardons with no one else's permission again uh, for crimes against the United States. They have to be federal crimes. The president of the United States cannot pardon anyone for a crime on the state level. And the president of the United States cannot pardon anyone for an impeachment. Now, let's be very clear about something. The president cannot pardon himself either. All right. First, in order to pardon, you actually have to be a president of the United States. Uh, you also have to already have an offense against someone. It can't be pardoning for future uh, offenses. You have to pardon someone for an offense that's already charged against them. And so if you're not in office and the offense doesn't exist yet, then you can't pardon and you can't pardon for cases of impeachment. So the president cannot pardon himself for impeachment. So let's just be clear. I actually heard on Tucker Carlson today. Uh, no, 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 no. On Neil Cavuto today. People talking about whether Trump could pardon himself. And I looked at JC. He's in the car with me. I said, are people really talking about this? Can Trump really? Are people talking about whether Trump can really pardon himself or not? Come on, guys. Let's get serious. I, 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 what a waste of, of even time. You know, they spent like four five minutes on it. Maybe probably four minutes. It just seems longer. Probably four minutes on Neil Cavuto talking about whether Donald Trump could pardon himself. You know what, Neil Cavuto? Hey, man, I got four minutes of, of information that we can put on your show next time that will actually be valuable to your audience. Okay? Let's just say. All right? So Donald Trump can pardon anyone, anyone, if uh, they have been charged with a federal crime or convicted of a federal crime, as long as it's not impeachment. Got it? So then we go to Article 2, Section 2, Clauses 2 and 3, more powers of the president. He shall have power by and catch this, by and with the advice and the consent of the Senate to make treaties, provided two-thirds of the senators president, present concur. A treaty must be done with the consent of the Senate. There is no power to make a deal. There is no power for the president or any of his diplomats or cabinet members to make deals autonomously. Any deal that does not come with the consent of the Senate is unconstitutional. An Iran deal that Obama did, completely unconstitutional. And your founders would tell you unconstitutional acts by the president, unconstitutional acts by Congress are null and void. Okay? So if you go to chrisannhall.com, if you go to chrisannhall.com and you go to the little search engine thing and you search the term treaties, you will find an article in the treaty section and it will teach you the limit of treaties. And it's called the truth about treaties. There it is the truth about treaties. And it, you need to learn this for this administration. You must learn this for misadministration because this will not only tell you what is a legal treaty, but will also tell you what is not a legal treaty and give you the solutions for dealing with an illegal treaty. So back to Article 2, Section 2, Clauses 2 and 3. Uh, by and with the advice and the consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors and other public ministers 
and counsels, judges of the Supreme Court, and officers of the United States um, whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for. So the president nominates ambassadors. He shall nominate and bind with the advice of the consent of, of the Senate appoint. The president nominates. The Senate appoints judges, ministers, and ambassadors. The president of the United States does not have a constitutional authority to autonomously put people into office. All right. And our last section we'll talk about today, Article 2, Section 3. He shall from time to time give to the Congress information on the State of the Union. The State of the Union address is the president's address to Congress on the condition of the executive branch. How is the executive branch running? How is the funding going? Do they need more money? Do they need less money? What do they need Congress to do? The State of the Union address is not a media marketing campaign to promote the president for the next election. It is not an address to the people. It is not an address to uh, the taxpayers. It is an address to Congress merely to report on the operations of the federal executive branch. $64,000 question. Can politicians be removed from office for betraying their oath of office? Yes, Mike, they can. Uh, depends on how that happens state to state. There are recalls in certain states and there are elections. Woo! You can get people out of office by educating, organizing and activating and getting them out. If your election process has been corrupted, then don't tell me you can't elect somebody out of office because your office, your election process is corrupted. What you should be telling me is, oh, Chris Ann, elections are how we remove people from office who are violating their oath. Our elections were corrupted. That means I need to go and start tomorrow getting our elections back legal. Don't tell me it doesn't work. Tell me what you're going to do to make it work right. Remember, this is a no excuse zone. So back to this. So the State of the Union address. Uh, let's see. See and recommend to their consideration, the Congress, measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. On extraordinary occasions, he can convene the house, both houses or either of them in case of disagreement between them. Uh, with the respect to the time of adjournment, he may adjourn them to such a time as he shall think proper, and he shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. He shall take care that the laws are faithfully executed and shall commission officers of the United States. Now, this is a really cool one to talk about briefly as we end up today's class, our teach show. He shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. That little laws thing there is capitalized because we're talking about laws created by Congress and is absolutely constitutionally compliant. Remember, Article 6, Clause 2 says that uh, laws that are not made in pursuance to the Constitution are not the supreme law of the land and they are not binding. So when it says that he shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed, then you must understand that he is only to faithfully execute those laws that are constitutionally consistent. If they are inconsistent with the Constitution, the president of the United States has the authority and the duty to refuse to enforce those laws. That's the check and balance that the executive branch has over the legislative branch. They have co-equal checks and balances. A check and balance of the executive on the legislative is the rightful duty of the executive branch to refuse to enforce, to refuse to execute laws that are not consistent with the Constitution. 
That's how it's supposed to work. And so let's just go through real quick here briefly. I've got one, two, three, four tabs. That's all we got. This is all the power delegated to the president of the United States. There is no more power. If it is not delegated, it is not authorized. Anything beyond that is unconstitutional authority executive uh, exercised by the president. Did you notice there was no authority to tax? There was no authority to create jobs. There was no authority to regulate jobs. There is no authority to mandate masks. There is no authority to mandate vaccinations. There's no authority to control our travel. There's no authority to control our commerce. None of those things are powers delegated to the president. Any exercise of those authorities by the president or his executive branch are completely unconstitutional. And our founders wanted us to know that they are null and void. So. I'm going to leave you today with the words of Hannah Winthrop. Hannah Winthrop is one of our founding mothers. And Hannah Winthrop wrote a letter to, uh, to Mercy Otis Warren in 1775. And here is what she said. What a spirit of hypocrisy do we see do we see prevailing? How often do we see people blind to their own interests, precipitately maddening on to their own destruction? Remember, guys, there is nothing new under the sun, and history always repeats. Thank you for joining us today on the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal for our teach show that is not a talk show. And tomorrow will be our inaugural, uh, our inauguration episode. And we will hope that you will join us as we go through the inauguration and talk about the news of the day, just as we do every Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time talking to you about the current events from a constitutional and principled perspective. Please, 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 before you go, hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, hit that share button so that you can help us overcome the artificial intelligence that wants to keep us down. God bless you guys, and we will see you tomorrow.